Thank you again very much. I want you to open your Bible with me on Deuteronomy 15 and verse 4. I want to finish the series I've been doing on our legacy. And uh, uh, this one I've been really looking forward to, but the more I looked at it, the more I realized there wasn't it. But I'll just finish with this message here. I want to talk about our legacy in Christ. We talked about legacy, and we talked about, uh, in the last session I had on it, we shared with you about intentionally constructing a legacy for the next generation, uh, thinking about what kind of life you'll live, what impact you'll make. And we saw that legacy was what you leave behind for others. Legacy is the imprint you left in this life because you were here. Yesterday at the funeral, we heard many different people talking about the legacy that Graham had left. And not all of it was good, but in the latter years as he came to Christ, he was able to intentionally work to overcome many things that had happened earlier in his life, and there was just great honor on him yesterday. And so uh, the legacy that you will leave behind you, and everyone will leave a legacy, in fact, we're called to. The Bible says you are created for good works. God has designed you to accomplish something meaningful with your life. So when we connect with God and begin to start to outwork His plan in our life, we start to begin to form a spiritual legacy, something that is from God for others. And uh, so uh, the legacy is visible or tangible or intangible. Sometimes, uh, in fact, if we think about Jesus' last mandate, I'm just going to reword it. You know what Jesus said, his last words, which is the first, the, the, the priority for the church? Go make disciples. Eh? Didn't he say that? Teaching them to obey all things uh, that I've commanded you. Now think about what that means. I'm going to rephrase it. He's saying to the church, this is not an option. This is a mandate. Leave a legacy of your walk in Christ. Impart what you have to other people intentionally. You know, wonderful to hear Robin today appreciating the legacy that Rand Rupert had put into her life. That's what it looks like. It's people putting their hand up and saying, I thank God for you, you impacted my life. So the Bible tells us very clearly we're called to leave some kind of legacy and we're all going to do it. We're going to leave something. It's just a matter whether you're intentional about it. Another word that the Bible uses, which is like legacy, but not the same word, and this is the one I want to pick up today, is the word inheritance. Inheritance. Legacy consists of everything you leave behind, which is intangible as well as tangible. When we think of inheritance, we think then of property that is passed on from a person who has now died and goes to their rightful heir or those that are mentioned in their will or testament. So an inheritance is part of a legacy, but a legacy is bigger than just the inheritance. The inheritance is the part that you give to someone else. So, for example, uh, if I was to die, then I own a house. That house is an inheritance for family. It's passed on to family, something tangible, but my legacy is much bigger than the house. My legacy consists of my life and the impact it's made for Christ. Any idea? Now, I want you to read something about inheritance because it's quite important you see this. Uh, and it says, uh, in, 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 sorry, in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 4, it says uh, <clears throat> in the second part of the verse, the Lord will greatly bless you. Now, read this carefully. In the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Now, notice here he's saying the Lord your God will give you. There's the first word, give the land for you to possess. Now, let me just run that by. And we're talking about the Old Testament here, a physical inheritance. 
Now notice that this, there's a, the, in the Old Testament, the inheritance given to God's people was a physical people, piece of land in the Middle East. It is still God's inheritance to the descendants of Abraham. Notice it was given to Abraham and all his descendants. Given to Abraham and all his descendants. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, it is given. It is given. Second thing I want you to notice, it's an inheritance. It's part of something Abraham passed on because God gave it to him. It's an inheritance. And the third thing I want you to notice is they were required to possess it. To possess means you have to arise and drive out something that occupies it that resists you getting what God wants. And if you think about the Middle East, contention has been there for hundreds upon hundreds of years over the piece of land God gave to Abraham. There's been a contention to possess it. So for the people of Israel who are a model for us, here's what it looks like. God said, there's the land. Here's your inheritance. It is yours by right. I have given it to you. You own it. It is yours. It's your possession. But now you can't just sit back. You have to arise and by faith displace what holds you back from enjoying it. Now that's the story of the Old Testament. Now, we're going to see it'll be the same when we define what the inheritance that Jesus has left for us. You begin to find the same things. It's something that comes to us by inheritance. The death of Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to receive something if we are connected to God through faith in Christ. So when you uh, give your life to Christ, uh, your life, you become joined to Jesus Christ and therefore you become an heir of everything he took hold of. Everything given to him becomes part of the inheritance you and I can receive. See? We were, sing- we were singing today, you are complete in him. In him we have everything. In other words, Jesus obtained for us an inheritance as a representative of humanity, and in him we are entitled to it. Here's the second thing. God gives it to us, but you can't just sit around hoping things are going to come. You have to make a decision to believe and arise and take hold of what Jesus purchased for us and left for us. Nothing in the kingdom of God comes and just drops in your lap. It's given, but a response is required. God will do his part, and he's done his part. Everything you and I have need of for life is now provided for us. We are not beggars. We are rich in Christ. However, men, much of the church as a whole lives as a beggar and do not appreciate or take hold of the treasures of the inheritance available. It's because, and I'll give you one, some of the reasons why that takes place. So Jesus wants us to stir up and possess. Why don't you have a look in John chapter 4 and say, well, what is this inheritance he's given us? Now, the more I looked into it, the bigger it got. So I'm going to take one part of it, which is the important part, the biggest part of it, the most important part of it. And if we will take hold of this part of it, treasure, possess, and use what we have been given, then you'll get everything else. This is the core part. But I'll just show you how Jesus' legacy is a bit bigger than that. Now, in John chapter 14, Jesus come to the end of his ministry. And, uh, and we'll read down in verse uh, 16. Jesus 
has been filled with the Holy Spirit and he has lived out three years of his life demonstrating what God is like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen what God is like. That's what God is like. Look at my life. You want to know what God is like? Don't keep praying that God will reveal him. He already revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Do some work. Get in the Bible. Read what Jesus is like and you'll begin to see what God is like and choose to believe that, that that applies to you as well. So uh, in John 14, verse 16, he says, I'll pray the Father. He said, I'm about to leave you. And he says, it's a good thing I leave you. Here's why it's a good deal. The good deal why I'm leaving you is this. It's because I'm going to go to my Father. I'm going to obtain an inheritance and you'll get what I've got. I'll buy it all for you. And so he said, notice what he says he's going to give. He said, I will pray and the Father will give you another helper or comforter who will abide with you forever. You'll never lose this. The Spirit of truth. So he identifies it's the Holy Spirit whom the world can't receive. So here's one of the key purposes that Jesus came into this world. Now, I know we focus on the cross. Jesus came in and died on the cross And when he died on the cross, it was actually to remove something that's a problem to us getting something. It's the getting something that really counts. Imagine if you had a block to receiving something. Getting rid of the block is not the big deal. That's to prepare you to get something. But what a tragedy if you didn't get it. See? So here's what he said. Notice the first thing. Jesus came. He died on the cross to deal with the issue of sin. He rose from the dead, showing the power of of God over sin, that sin's power is broken. He ascended into heaven, so we now have a representative, our representative, in the very throne room. Now, here's the whole deal. He went there, and he had this in mind, that he would send his Holy Spirit to you. That's what Jesus said, that where I am, you will be there also. So the inheritance, the legacy, the legacy of Jesus is bigger than this, but the inheritance he speaks of, and I'm going to show you two or three scriptures that make it absolutely clear that part of your inheritance in Christ is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. I want to show you something. Uh, that's just so wonderful. I just love it. I've got to love the Holy Spirit more and more. Oh, Holy Ghost. Jesus' legacy, of course, consists of a number of things. So I'll explain what they are, but I'm going to focus on only one of them. The first thing about Jesus' legacy is this. His legacy was his example. He lived a life that we model our life on. I'd like to be like him. God wants me to be like him. God's plan is for you and me to be like him. So he left an example rather than a book, rather than anything else. He actually came and he lived out a life. He showed us how a man filled with the Holy Ghost lives their life. Don't you go fussing over what other Christians are doing. They do all kinds of stuff. You focus on them, you'll be offended, disheartened, discouraged. What you're called to do is to be a follower of Christ who set us an example that we would follow in His footsteps, be imitators of Him. So one of the greatest legacies, He shows what it looks like on earth. You read the, read the Gospels again. See what it looks like to be a man filled with the Spirit. How you treat people. How you relate to God. How you handle pressures. How you handle conflicts. How you live out the life of the kingdom. So first thing, he, he left us an example. Man, an example leaves an impression. Second thing is this. He left us his words. He left words. Powerful part of your legacy is what you say. 
One of the things I encourage people is speak words into your children. Speak words that impart destiny and hope and life into them. It's a powerful legacy you can leave to your children is what you see in them. But Jesus left us pages of his words which outline the principles of the kingdom he was living in. Look, look, Nicodemus came to him and he, he said, no one's ascended into heaven except the Son of Man who is in heaven. That's a weird statement. So he's saying, listen, this is what you've got to understand. Even though I'm physically standing in front of you, I'm connected by the Spirit of God to the unlimited resources of heaven. And as I speak, I share with you the words, the life, the values, the attitudes, the principles of that kingdom. His words. Oh, how we should. That's why some Bibles have them marked in red. They're that important. We find it trouble to read our Bible. And then the third thing that Jesus left was this. He left us his Holy Spirit. He left us the power to live and become like him. Without that power, without the person of the Holy Ghost, you have religion. Religion's what's left when the Holy Ghost is gone. A lot of people striving and struggling, working hard and frustrated and failing and feeling guilty about it. And trying to smile. Praise the Lord, brother. But there's no life in reality. The only way you get the life in reality is through the life in reality of someone in you. That's why he's called our inheritance. See? How about that? Whoa. So Jesus' legacy was simply his example, his lifestyle, the words he spoke, his death and resurrection, which set us free from sin. And here it is, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to have a look at something here. See, uh, in Galatians 3, for example, get this. This is what God had all in mind. In Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14, it says this. Now, he has redeemed us or purchased us, paid the full price to redeem us from all the curse of the law. Okay? What for? See, he paid the price of the cross, but it's all to get something else to happen. It's the something else happen. That's the big deal. See, the death and resurrection is to remove the problem of sin. God is not worried about your sin. You are, and religion is. The devil is. He will hound you about your sin and your failures and your lacks and try to get you to live like you're not born again. But Jesus said, the, the Word says, He has redeemed us, totally redeemed or purchased us, rescued us out of the curse, out of all the consequences of sin, and now so we're positioned to get something. That, here it is, look, that the blessing of Abraham. Oh, well, I thought the blessing of Abraham was some land. No, 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 no. God, that's just a prophetic picture. The land was a gift to be possessed. Now there's a gift to be possessed. It's called, He is called the Holy Spirit. And we are to take hold of this gift that God has given us. That we might receive the blessing of Abraham, even the promise of the Spirit. So what, what did Abraham get? He got the power of the Holy Ghost on him. That's why he got all the other stuff. You look at all the land and the silver and the gold and the riches and everything else. Listen, that's the outworking of something else. That's just the tangibles in his life showing up because he had blessing on his life. He was blessed. Are you a blessed person? See, some are not sure. Because we're living out of the old life before Christ, which was a life of struggle and lack and scarcity and pain and setbacks. But the Bible says that when you come to Christ 
and identify with Christ, one way you do it is you get baptized into Him. And when you baptize Him, now I've got a new life. And it says, now I am blessed. I am blessed. It doesn't say, I'm blessed if I pray. Yeah, that'll happen as well. But blessing is about what Jesus has positioned me for. I don't, and you don't have to fight to be blessed. You are a blessed person. Time, you started to say it. I am blessed. I'm blessed in the morning. I'm blessed in the evening. I am blessed. When I fall over, I'm blessed because God will pick me up. Make a mistake, I'm blessed because I'm already forgiven. You see, you've got to think like that. It's a way of seeing your new life. If you don't see it that way, you live out of the old. I'm still a mess. I'm a mess. Come and pray for me. Deliver me. Do something to me. I am blessed. I'm repositioned for something great. Now, I want you to have a look with me in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. I'm going to look at two or three verses in Ephesians 1. And we want to close giving people a chance to respond. Let's get excited about the Holy Ghost. I am excited about the Spirit of God. Ho! Oh, living years in religion, condemned, ashamed, beaten up. Oh, then the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wouldn't go back to that other stuff. Dear me. In Ephesians chapter 1, look at what the Bible says here. I want you to read these verses very carefully. Uh, now, in verse 13 and 14, in Him you trusted. That's Jesus Christ you trusted after you heard the word of truth. So, and that was the gospel of your salvation. So notice he's saying, you heard the gospel, and then you trusted in Jesus. Now look at this. And he said, in whom after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now notice some words that are in there, some very important words. It said, after you responded to Christ, something was put on you. In Acts 19, Paul come to the church, said, I know you believe and you've been baptized. And he said, did you get the Holy Ghost? And they said, no, we didn't even know about the Holy Ghost. He said, well, watch this. And he laid hands on them, prayed. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in tongues. They were sealed with the spirit of promise. That word seal, look at this. He said, you were sealed. You come to Christ, you were sealed. Do you know what the word seal means? It means to take your personal, in those days they used a signet ring or they had, a, they had an engraving and it was the seal of ownership. And they would get some wax and put it on it and then stamp the seal on it and that stamp, everyone who saw it, we know who owns it. So let this, get this, you are sealed or you are stamped with a mark. That's why the demonic world knows exactly who you are. You can't hide it because there's a mark on you. You are marked. People all get wound up being marked with the beast. I'm mostly preoccupied with being marked with the mark of God on my life, in my mind and in my works. Think about it. He said, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now get this, which is the earnest of your inheritance. So what is our inheritance? The Holy Spirit. God himself is your inheritance. You say, well, I kind of wanted silver and gold and jewels and promotion. Listen. In Christ, you get everything you need. Colossians 2.10, you are complete in Him. So when you're in Christ, you have access to all you need. I don't feel like that. No, because your perspective and way of looking and thinking and speaking is not right. Most people, they say, yes, oh, that's great preaching. Oh, that was good. But actually, the reality doesn't become established in their life. 
You are sealed with the earnest of your inheritance, the Holy Ghost. Now, notice the word earnest. The, the word earnest, I love this. You, you've got to love this. See, you read it and you say, what does that mean? It means simply this. Bryden wanted to go and buy a house. You know what he does? He says, that's the house. I want to own it. I want the piece of paper with my name on it. I own the house. And they say, that's good. This is what you have to front up with. You have to front up with a deposit. The word earnest means a deposit, something given as a guarantee that there's more coming. More coming. More coming. Now, you know this, that There'll come a day when Brian will turn up and he'll say, okay, today to deliver over. And they'll ask him, give the full price. And he give the full price and the thing comes and says, that is the language of this passage. What it is saying is, you are sealed with the Spirit of God, the earnest of your inheritance until the day of redeeming of the purchased possession. What he's saying simply is this. That God wants to stamp you and mark you and distinguish you from every other person in this world. And the way He does it is He stamps you with the anointing and presence of His Holy Spirit. And what you get is just the down payment of all the rest of the payment, which is more of what you got. So if Bryden pays a deposit and it's $1,000, then it'd be more than that these days. Wouldn't it be about more like $80,000? Then he's got a front up with the balance, which is all the rest of the money. So he gave money. He, there's more money to come. Is that, would you say that was right? Well, that's what the Scripture's saying. It's saying when you got the Holy Ghost, you got the pledge, you got the down payment, you got the first installment. If there's the first installment, there's got to be second, third, fourth, and then one great final payoff. This is what... God wants you to be excited about. For most people, their baptism in the Spirit happened years ago and it's not very relevant to what they're doing now because they don't understand the value of what you have and how to draw on what you have so you overcome in life. What, why Jesus was so excited about giving you the Holy Spirit because He said, this is the, what you will need to win in life. Greater is he in you than he that's in the world. You have to live in fearful of devils and demons and beasts and marks and all kinds of stuff. This is a lot of nonsense coming out of Christians who ought to know better. Breeding fear in the sale of books. What is needed as we capture God's vision for a people arising filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, you've got to get a hold of what this. In the Old Testament, you read about Moses Tabernacle, and we say, man, I'd love to go back there. Oh, and the glory came down and filled that tabernacle, the shimmering glory of God. Isn't that amazing? Oh, and they couldn't stand up. They all fell over. But that wasn't God's plan. That's only a bit of it. That's the, that's the bit of heads up. Something better's coming. Then David had a tabernacle, and it was a tent, and they had worship going on all around it, and the presence of God, like a shimmering glory, came into it, and people fell over and got touched by the presence of God. And God said, that's pretty good, isn't it, eh? But he said, that's not it. That's not it. But wait, there's more. Solomon's temple. They put the temple up. They began to pray, and oh, the glory of God came out of heaven, came into that temple. There it was. They fell over. How wonderful. They were impressed. 
And God said, but wait, there's more. This is not it. This is not it. This is just to give you pictures so you might get it. And then Jesus came. And oh, he said, this is the temple of God. God doesn't live in a house anymore. He doesn't live in buildings anymore. Hey, they're nice. But this isn't the house of God. He said, the house of God and God's resting place can never be a building because it can't handle it. The only suitable resting place for God is a person and a body of people related to Christ and connected to one another. So he demonstrated what that looked like. And they followed him around. Whoa, whoa, miracles, presence of God, life, power of God touching, people being touched by that. And, he said, and then they said, I'm going. I'm leaving here. I'm going. He said, you can't. We're just on a roll. He says, but wait, there's more. He said, if I stay, then you can't get what I got. And God's plan has always been to give you what I've got. I've just modeled it for you. I've left you an example. I've taught you about it. I've shown you the life. I've revealed what the Father's like. Now I've got two more things to do. One, go to the cross and remove this problem of sin that you worry about so much. And secondly, to get you back to where we've always intended you to be from before time began, filled with the Holy Ghost filled with all the fullness of God, rooted in His love, demonstrating His life and His power. That is what He said. That glory that was in the Old Testament came and went, but this one will not go. Notice what we read in John 14. You may have missed it. He will abide with you and not leave you. In the Old Testament, it was always habitation. God would come and they would pray for God to come and God would come and show up. Now, Jesus says, I am the temple. This is what it looks like. Everywhere I go, God is coming with me. Everywhere I go, because the glory is inside. And so he took him up on a mount one day and he prayed. And then suddenly he, was, he turned into this brilliant searchlight. His face began to go white. His clothes grew brilliant. And all the glory in him began to shine. They, whoa, they saw the glory. Why didn't they see it before? Because it was hidden in an earthen vessel. The earthen vessel just concealed what was in them, the treasure. Here's the thing. That's, did you get anything different to that? That's why God came. That's why he came. He gave them a glimpse. You know what they want to do? Why don't we stop and build a building and stay here in this place of glory? Oh. He said, no, 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 no. No, son, we've got to go down there. There's work to be done. There's a whole world to get this. You, I don't want you to stay up here enjoying this glory. I want you to get out there because shortly I'm going to commission you. And before I commission you, wait, 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 wait. I said, wait, we want to get going now. No, no, no. He said, you need this glory within you. You need the glory of my spirit within you. This man that God created to carry his glory and manifest his glory in life now by faith in Christ, is restored back into his presence, back into relationship. And the glory comes again to reside within us. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure, Christ, in an earthen vessel. See, he's caught up seeing what's in him. Most of us look and we just see sin. Oh, really bad. Had a bad week, really bad rather than seeing differently. If you can only see how bad you are and where your problems are and all that's wrong with you, you can't experience the glory within. 
You have to make changes. God intends us not to be waiting around for him to come, but to understand who we are in him and what he's put in us that's so valuable. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, what is it saying? Christ, that's the glory of God is in you, but that's only the down payment. There's more to come. More, 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 more. Why don't you treasure that? Why don't you get to know that and understand the New Testament church didn't have a Bible. They just had the glory within. And they lived from that glorious Holy Spirit working within them. A personal relationship. God connected to me, never going to go away. You're lonely, rejected, depressed, struggling with all kinds of things. You're living out of the old man that Jesus said. He crucified it. He buried it. There is a new man and there's glory inside you. Why live like you're not saved? That's what he's saying. I've totally lost where I am in my notes, but it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter. You can look him up on the line and find it there. I am so passionate about this Holy Ghost that's given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, it says, You have been given, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God. You're given the Spirit of God. What has He given to you? So He can explain to you everything God has made available to give to you. you say, well, I don't feel like God's got much for me. It's because you're living out of the bondages of your old life, and you're not living out of the new man in Christ. You actually need a renovation in the mind and in the heart, a change. And that's what, the, that's what, that's what we want to do. That's the, that was what Sandy was up doing last week, showing you how to get renovated on the inside because if you don't shift in your heart beliefs, you can't realize it. You hear it, get excited, and then walk away. So we, I better just draw this into a close. So why is it we have so little? Why is it if God has given so much, most believers have so very little. And there's a number of reasons. I won't develop them. Let me just throw some out for you. The first one is despising our inheritance. Esau despised it. He just sold out because he, he despised the gift of God and just did stuff that made him feel good at the time. Now, isn't that a lot of Christians? Despising the Holy Ghost. You say, well, how do I despise the Holy Ghost? Well, there's lots of ways. It's about a person and having right attitudes to him. You know, when we speak evil of others, we grieve him. That's definitely not respecting him. It definitely doesn't help us get filled. And you'll see in a moment, there's several things that are an important part of living this new life. So one, one reason is that. The second is, we don't see it. We actually live out of a wrong perspective. We live thinking we're still unsaved and we've got hang-ups. Now, you say, well, the reality of them is there. Yeah, but there's another reality there too. That is, Christ is in you. The treasures of Christ are in you. You've got the bank full of money, and yet you're standing there saying, I'm broke. The treasure house is full, but you're saying, I've got nothing. You say, well, you've got to actually see what God says about you, that you're a new creation, that the DNA of God is in you. God's life is in you. Why don't you begin to start to see that every day? God's life is in me. I'm going to confess and declare that. I want to hold in my vision who I am in him now. I've changed. I'm a new person. So one is we, our perspective. We just don't see it. And so the Holy Ghost work is to help reveal it, but you've got to choose to shift your perspective. The second thing is we've got mindsets. We think out of our old ways. 
So someone comes and they hurt you. Immediately, you immediately, there's a stronghold in your life, erupts, demons start to operate, feelings start to come, thoughts start to come. You're in a place of deep rejection, deep depression. (sighs) (sighs) The truth is, I'm accepted in Christ. People can accept me or reject me, but I'm accepted by God. I am accepted in the beloved. Oh, I feel so depressed. They're so nice. They're nasty to me. They hurt me. Well, don't live agreeing with that. Resolve it. Resolve it. Deal with the issues of the heart, the strongholds, the belief systems that stop you accessing what God says. If it's a choice between what God says and what you're feeling, choose what God says and ask the question, how do I move from where I am to what God says? How do I bring my experience up to what God says instead of God can't be true, the word can't be true because this is not what I'm experiencing? This is what the life of faith, this is why it's something to possess. The life of God is in you, but you must make a decision. I will learn how to draw and live from that life. And Jesus said, if you are, I'm the vine, you're you're the branches. If my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will. In other words, there's this issue of drawing on the life within. Now you say, well, I don't feel like that. No, you're living out of your feelings rather than living out of what's the reality which is true, God's Spirit is in you. There's an overcoming Spirit in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. I don't feel it. No, you won't either. Until you start to decide, I will agree with what God says. Body, stop whinging. Spirit, start rising. Korbarashaka, and begin to draw on that life. And if there's something I can't overcome, something that continually disempowers me, then Holy Ghost, show me what the block is, because that's part of your job description. Show me where the block is. Show me what's in the heart. Show me what the thing is I need to deal, someone I need to forgive, something I need to renounce. Whatever it is I need to remove out of my heart, Holy Ghost, show me. And if you don't, if you don't hear from the Holy Spirit on that, just go to someone who can help you find it. And then remove the block and get on with where you're supposed to be, rather than accepting that's how it is. That is not how God has planned for you and I to live our life. Plan to live our lives full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit of God. First step, receive Christ and become joined one spirit to the Lord. Get water baptized. That old life has passed away. You're a new person, a new creation. The DNA of God is in you. Greater is he in you than he that's in the world. Then make a decision. I need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I need to be stamped with that sign of God's ownership on me. I want the Holy Ghost. So I need to come and ask him, Holy Ghost, come. Jesus, here's the interesting thing. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, end time prophet, in fact, spirit of Elijah was on him. You know the two revelations he had of Jesus? He had two revelations. There's not a lot, you think, but he had two. The first one was, oh, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He saw Jesus as the Lamb who would remove this issue of sin. Most people carry on like that's all he said. But this next bit is the important bit because this is where it gets to. He said, he will baptize you, immerse you, dip you, plunge you, put you into the whole realm of Holy Ghost living. And that's why he's come. We get caught the other side of the cross, hung up with condemnation and hang-ups and failures and guilt and all that. That's all demonic, and it's all the flesh just moaning and groaning, and we live under that. We're defeated. Jesus said, he said, listen, he's the Lamb of God who removes the sins of the world. If he's removed your sins and failures, why live like you're still living in them? 
If you're a new person, why live like the old person? I don't feel very happy. However, I'm a new man, a new creation in Christ. Therefore, I will rejoice in the Lord always. Today, I choose to rejoice. Coming to church, I come here to meet with God. So I turn up on time because it's an appointment with God. And I don't come waiting, drawing on all the musicians and everything they have. I come to bring something from my temple. I want to flow with the Holy Ghost. We were singing a song about something about being overcome by the Holy Ghost. Most of you wouldn't become overcome by the Holy Ghost because of attitudes in the soul and the heart. It's easy to be overcome by the Holy Ghost. It's all about just being able to yield and release and let go. It's only the things in our mind and heart that stop us from receiving. He's here. How about if we were to just worship in his presence and, just al- and start to let go trying to control our world and allow this loving God to fill us? Oh, hallelujah. And then, one, come to Christ. Two, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Three, sustain the life in the Spirit. We're going to learn to live from our spirit. I come in here. I come in here. I'm not always in the best place, to tell the truth. Sometimes I've had a lot of things go on in my life. You know, pastors have these things happen to them. But I've determined whenever I come in, I've come here to worship God. So therefore, I will front up on time. I'll stand up inside and I'll give my very best. And I found an interesting thing happens all the time. That as I give my best, the anointing flows. If you wait and you feel like it, nothing will happen. Do what you need to do and let the Holy Spirit come on that. Now I know we need to address issues of the heart. But there's a whole area of decisions of the will to do what God says to do. Let's come in and offer him a sacrifice of thanksgiving and then begin to enter and participate. So you take and what you have, you make available to God, your voice, your body, whatever it is. Say, well, I'm not like you. You just have no idea how hung up I was before God got a hold of me. You see? I've still got stuff to get over. But at least I'm aware of it now and I working to live out of the new man instead of out of that old man that was so totally rejected. But you see, when you live out of the old man and don't, re- don't realize and experience that I'm a new person, that's not me. This is who I am. I'm a loving person. I'm a kind person. I'm a generous person. This is, I've got the nature of God in me. I'm a persevering person because I've got the nature of God in me. I'm an overcoming person because I've got the nature of God in me. It's living out of who God says I am and what I choose, not out of reactions to life. You live out of reactions to life, you live in the flesh. You have to choose to live out of your spirit. You say, but I don't feel like loving that person. That's true, but the Holy Spirit has love for them that you can manifest if you choose to draw on it. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel very happy about the situation. No, but the Holy Ghost is full of joy. So if you'll draw on that well within, joy can flow. Even though your feelings are down, they will change as you let the Spirit of God flow through you. Well, I don't feel like forgiving them. In fact, actually quite the opposite. I feel like laying in wait for them. However, the Holy Ghost is a forgiving spirit. will say, forgive. And let my forgiveness flow here. Let my love flow. Begin to see them as I see them. That's drawing on the life of the Spirit. We're all called to do that. It's a glory within. So don't keep waiting for some great thing to happen one day. When God has put His glory inside you, uh, let it rise up. Begin to change how you see things. 
So you see from God's point of view how you think about it. So you think God's way. Begin to change how you speak. Speak in tongues a lot more. And then learn to speak God's word. I thank you, Lord. Your word declares this. And begin to hold that word and picture that word and see that my life will align to what God has to say. If there's anything inside you, resist it. Face it. Find out what it is and root it out. And become filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't be drunk with wine. It's actually a good feeling to be drunk with wine. It's actually very nice. It is very nice, especially if you had a lot of problems. Sit down and drink some wines, and before you know, you're very happy. You laugh a lot, and things have gone. You wake up with a headache, and that's not so good, and you lose control, which is even worse. So all of those things. But here's the thing. It's pleasurable because it provides a release from the pressures of life. The Bible says, don't be filled with wine, wherein is excess and all kinds of bad behavior. Rather, be filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Hallelujah. Give way to the Holy Ghost. Let Him have room in your life. Speaking and singing and magnifying the Lord in your heart. That's how you get filled with the Holy Ghost. I think there's people need to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost today. I think a lot of people need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get a lot more life in them, yeah? And a lot more joy in them. And a lot more happiness in them. And a lot more wholeness in them. Be grateful. You want some of that? Come on out. Just step step out there. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I believe. Someone get behind us. You'll fall over for sure. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You're here. Now, you see, are we the temple of the Holy Ghost or not? Is that right? Is that right? So therefore, if I just take a hand like that, and then the power of God should just flow into her like that. Whoa, look at that. See? Isn't that amazing? Now, okay, stand her up again. Stand her up again. Now, come on over here. No, 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 no. You've got the wrong idea. You've got the wrong idea. Now, are you full of the Holy Ghost? Go, Holy Ghost, come and touch right now. That's right, just release the presence of God. <laughs> We're called to be carriers of God, carriers of the life of God. Have we forgotten our roots? Have we forgotten where we've come from? He's like Cinderella needs a kiss to wake her up. I think I got that one right. Need the kiss of God to wake you up again, to remember who you are. Look at her. She's drunk in the Holy Ghost. Now, that's a much better way to be, isn't it? Touch her, Lord. Touch her. Touch her more. Okay. Just, I want to finish now. We're running out of time. And here's the thing. Just, well, just as we come to the end of the service, any person here needs to receive Christ. Needs to receive Jesus Christ. Give your life to Christ. Make that first step out of sin and to forgiveness of sin. If that's you today and you're here wanting to receive Christ, why don't you raise your hand right now? I'd love to pray with you. Any person here ready to make that decision to receive Christ? Any person here? Anyone right at that point wanting to give your life to Christ? What a great thing to do that. Hey, fill it with joy. Fill it with joy. Me, some more people fill with joy before we finish. I wonder how many people here today not being stamped with the Spirit, not, not marked with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. If you're here today and you say, God, I want that. I want that stamp on me. Kadunka. On me. I want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's you today. Why don't you just put your hand up right now, wherever you are. Hallelujah. Some people around. Some people, one, two, three. Hallelujah. Now, there's a lot of other people who need to get filled today. So those of you who've got to go away, please go away joyfully without complaining. I went a bit over time. That would be very much in the flesh. I do say I'm sorry. Have a please forgive me.